Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. Thank you for joining us. After you've finished listening, we'd really love if you'd give us a rating on Apple Tunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to us. It helps other listeners find our podcast. Also, we're taking political R&D to the next level. Podcasts will be more frequent. Articles will be published more frequently, too. Additionally, we're adding more contributors to share their view of politics in Alberta, Canada, and the world. As such, we would love if you be a patron of the show. That will help us improve the podcast you enjoy. You can find us at patreon.com slash political R&D. You'll find a link on our website, too. Now, let's get political. Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm Mark Taylor. And today we are talking about cabinet ministers. Mark, tell us how that all came about. Well, <laughs> if if you weren't living under a rock in Alberta, I mean, <laughs> we're all sequestered away in our homes. Most of us still have an internet access. If you know, Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast either. Um, but yeah, Tyler Shandro has been a spectacle for the last month. Now, it might feel longer because of being stuck at home for the last month. But yeah, he's been, a, he's been just exceptional for the last little while. And it really just came down to, you know, the calls for his termination slash resignation have been mounting on a daily basis. And I'll even say a couple of weeks ago, I was one of the first ones to say, enough with the calls of resignation. He's the health minister. He might not be doing great things, but at least we're in the middle of a pandemic. This isn't the time to replace a health minister. I bake that that crow. I bake that crow into a pie. (laughs) I'm going to eat it because apparently this is the time to replace a health minister. Mm -hmm. And it's also, yes, it's also, we're, we're heading on the, we're, we're almost to their, their anniversary. Yeah, so all the cap, well, most of the cabinet ministers were appointed on April 30th of 2019, and if uh, TechNet works for us, today is the uh, April 29th. So, mm-hmm. so 365 days to the day, yes, one full year. Awesome. Which, which I think leads to today's episode being called "Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away." <laughs> In some cases, in some well, cases. Yeah. Well, I mean, specifically to Tyler Shandro. Because, yeah. um, you know, when he gets mad, you, you see him on your driveway. So. <laughs> but that's, you, all, all your, all your themed uh, titles for, have, have been lacking a certain amount of good 80s, 90s glam metal. And so we had to bring the crew in. So It was getting there. It was getting there. <laughs> It's only because you have a metal head on the crew now. So. <laughs> hey, I had those shirts. I listened to those bands. I okay. did have head shirts. <laughs> okay. So let's then start with Tyler Shandro, Minister of Health. Yes. And and you started with a you started with a report card kind of set up like, you know, what what kind of a grade did they deserve? You ended up making it a little easier because we realized we needed to do this faster so we ended up with good bad and crappy yeah really it comes down to who's doing a good job who's doing a poor slash bad job and frankly who's shitting the bed yes and 
again. We and and surprising because I mean this was the whole point of this was that Chandro has been absorbing way too much spotlight right now. And to quote the president of the United States, you know, we need to disinfect some of this. We need to get some <laughs> sunlight in there. And so uh, let's shine a light on the rest of the cabinet and see um, who else is in. You know, because because it's not that you know, and we're not going to be partisan hacks here and say the entire cabinet is horrible and they all should be fired and we should have an election here and blah, blah, blah. We have ministers who are doing a good job. And yeah. so we're, we're, we're going to give them a thumbs up for that. Yes. Chandra is not one of those ministers. However, nope. <laughs> I, so, tried, I really tried to give Tyler a chance. <laughs> so I had, uh, uh, I, I, it was really quick actually under Tyler Chandra. I wrote, uh, Doctors, radiologists, driveways, done. I mean, even the doctors thing just gets deeper and deeper. Like you, you, you didn't negotiate this contract in good faith. You, you nope. basically planned to terminate it when you wrote Bill 21. So you've got doctors who have got good faith that they're going to go into a negotiation with the province with the intention of working with the province like they have for 100 plus years because that's what the AMA has been doing. And you wrote a bill basically saying, we're not going to negotiate fairly. We're not even going to negotiate in good faith. And yeah. you terminate that. Okay. Pre-March, maybe even January, depending on when you want to talk the day, start date, that may have been an acceptable strategy from the conservative side of things. Right. Right. But then we had a pandemic. Then we needed doctors then, really badly. Yeah. And what we didn't need are stressed out doctors who are already stressed out from having to deal with work. We just read an article, uh, came out today about a doctor in New York who committed suicide for having to deal with the stresses of dealing with COVID. I mean, obviously with New York, they've got a way larger number than we do. So, I mean, you can mm -hmm. imagine the stress level that medical uh, officials over there are dealing with. And so you had a doctor commit suicide. This is the level of stress they're going through just with their job. Right. Yeah. You it's don't not... need to have their employer saying, you know what? I think you're getting paid too much. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be alive in three weeks. And you're arguing about whether or not I should get paid for overhead. Yeah. That's, and, and I mean, when you look at, okay, we rolled an app out in the middle of a pandemic. That was planned to be rolled out anyway. Oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> Our timing was horrible. And then you get into all the doctors pointing out, and then you had another bill that basically said uh, doctors couldn't give short notice. They had to give a minimum of three months notice. Mm -hmm. So they did. Yeah. Like, what, what was the final? 144 doctors or 144 communities were basically, uh, like, it was just a stupid amount of uh, uh, doctors who basically said, okay, you want three months notice? Here you go. Yeah. So then they had to recant that on a Friday afternoon, put all the rural uh, heads up to back up Tyler and go, we got your back, Tyler. We're going we're, we're gonna to fix this for you because we're all in this together. Let's go change things and make doctors happy. Except they forgot to tell the doctors that they uh, changed a bunch of other things behind the scenes that yeah. went through apparently seven layers of review and it was like oh that was an administrative error <laughs> administrative errors don't go through seven layers <laughs> so so this was you know this was just another bad faith thing that they had to go back and recant and and it's like doctors are pretty smart people they read yeah. things. you, you kind of rely <laughs> on them to read things 
so so that you don't end up dead. Yeah. So to assume that these people weren't going to read the financial fine print of the agreements <laughs> is asinine. It really and, was. And on top of that, they don't trust you anymore. So they're definitely going to read this. This is not yeah. like the terms and conditions. Do I agree online? Click. Yeah, I just want to go play the app. <laughs> Very different world here. And they just assumed that this was, and this all falls on Tyler. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's part of the reason why we didn't get into a long in-depth five-part report card thing I may have been trying to write because <laughs> Tyler might Tyler might be booted out of school before he gets his report card. Mm. <laughs> mm. And also, so I did have this conversation earlier, um, you know, with with some some gentlemen who definitely sit more on the right of the political spectrum. And now they said one of the first things as well, you, you wouldn't get rid of the health minister during a pandemic. And now this, uh, did you happen to read Don Braid's write up of the polling that, um, that the UCP had commissioned? Briefly, I didn't get into the numbers too deep. So Okay, like not, and it's not really numbers related so much as uh, people are happy with the COVID response of the government. They are generally in favor of what's been done until you get to uh, the relationship with doctors and Tyler Shandro. Well, and also if Jason Kenney comes up in the question. But other than that, <laughs> right, we know Jason Kenney's not going to remove himself from the situation. So, uh, but, but he can remove Tyler Shandro. Well, he can use him as a complete scapegoat and say, this is all his fault. And we're going to do better. Oh, absolutely. And I fully expect that's what's going to happen. That. Mm-hmm. We will have a new health minister and, um, you know, Donna Kennedy Glanz on the Ryan Jesperson show, which for those listening today was yesterday um, for us <laughs> recording. It was today um, had suggested that, you know, Kenny himself should take over the portfolio. Mm-hmm. I disagree with Donna on that because oh, yeah. you need another scapegoat because you're not done with the doctors and right. somebody else is going to have to eat that. And it can't be Kenny because Kenny, Kenny is smart. Kenny, make sure he has a layer between him and whatever potential problem there's going to be. Responsibility. He didn't say he wasn't taking responsibility. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that that's what my assumption is that Jason Kenny will do. Yeah, he's not going to take over health because he won't take responsibility for it. So, uh, no. So I think I think absolutely shandro is shandro's done uh he's going to be thrown under a bus uh as a scapegoat and somebody else is going to take his place whenever they get around to doing a cabinet shuffle which i think will be sooner than later mostly because of that polling like no matter what no matter how many complaints they receive from albertans like because they always you know it's the over caffeinated lefties and things that are making the complaints, but when they commission a poll to find out how well they're doing and the polling comes back saying you're doing okay until this comes up, this is a problem for your government. Well, if you can lay all of that blame on Shandro, then absolutely they're going to take that out. 
No, there's a there's a deep structural organizational issue here. I mean, people have faith and trust in Dr. Henshaw, but yes. starts falling off pretty quick after that. And so you you just you're not seeing the response you want. Um, I know there was polling that came out. I think it was last week that said like every prime or every premier was going up in numbers except mm-hmm. for Kenny, um, and that two-thirds of the province would have preferred if Rachel Notley was running it. It's a great poll until you pay attention to there was only a thousand people nationally. So you're thinking that of a thousand people, there's only about a hundred and some that would have been collected in Alberta. So very small. Many calls into Edmonton and sure, you know, people would love (laughs) Rachel Notley taking over now next week for the next three years go back in time so like there that would have been where the partisan hack is but but at the end of the day the numbers showed that when everybody else was looking better in a pandemic he wasn't yeah yeah and that's i mean that's not that's not where he wants to be at this point in time crisis re-election things like that it's always on their mind that one's coming out later okay so shandro uh, he ended up with a poo emoji from me. Uh, <laughs> I I would have given him an exit sign. <laughs> ooh ooh, Shandexit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next on the list is uh, what do we take? Travis Toes, Taves, Taves. <laughs> no A in his name. Sorry, or V. But <laughs> All right. Go ahead. As finance minister. Yep. Well, obviously, you know, no one should be a a fan of of Taves as as finance minister. When you create and throw your name on a budget of $58 a barrel oil with what was going on at the time, with what people were saying was happening, that was just ridiculous. Ridiculous, not standing up to Kenny and saying, we can't pass this budget right now. We need to go back to the drawing board. We're punted to the fall like Saskatchewan did. Yes, exactly. It's not even a, I need two weeks. We need six months. Yes. And there is absolutely nothing that's going on that is vital. We could have, I don't remember the term, but it's like they they can pass standing orders or whatever. Their interim supply. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to pay the bills. So this yeah. whole, well, the government's going to come to a crashing halt. This is in the United <laughs> States. It's not how that works, but because it's, it's good marketing, but it's not true, but it's beyond that. Like we, it's not just, he put a bad budget out. The, the rating agencies hammered it within 48 hours. They didn't yeah. even really take it. It's like, it. That's a sign of, we didn't actually read it. You're just clueless. So we're downgrading you right now for handing in garbage work. Yes. Yes, absolute F. That was, that was a huge, huge problem for them. Um, well, and, and it compounds because the fall budget, they were downgraded as well. They wanted to po- poke at the NDP going, they created this mess and we're just trying to clean it up. But Moody's <laughs> summed it up and said, you're too reliant on oil and gas revenues. And as because usual. of that, we're, we're going to downgrade you. And, yeah. and so the, the lesson they took from that is Moody's must be a bunch of left-wing over-caffeinated people because yes. 
<laughs> we, we decided <laughs> because that, we're right. <laughs> yeah. So therefore, after being downgraded because we got too much in oil and gas, let's go invest a billion and a half dollars in a pipeline company. Mm-hmm. So we've been, so this government hasn't technically been in for a year, has been downgraded twice on two budgets, and we have a finance minister who thought killing the carbon tax and reducing corporate taxes was a great way to set itself up for financial security. Yes. Uh, there's there's so much wrong with there's so much wrong with that one as well. Do you see him being shuffled though? He needs to be. I don't know if he's going to be. Okay. I would agree with you that I can't say for sure because I, I just, I don't know how many people you want to go through. Um, you can't go through too many before people realize it's not their fault. Well, like you can't have, you know, like you couldn't, you couldn't, fl- you couldn't switch him out and then continue to put out the same types of budgets, the same uh, financial projections that we've seen in the last year. Which the thing is, I'm not even going to, yes, Travis Taves wears it. He is the minister of finance. He is going to wear, uh, you know, the, the, the criticism or the credit. And, but at the same time, you know, he wasn't sitting in a basement all by himself writing the budget. No, I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. This is Jason Kenney's cabinet. Yes. You're in this cabinet because you j- agree with Jason Kenney or worse, you're one of his yes men. Yeah. So this is very much, very much in the Kenny ilk line, mantra, focus, whatever you want to call it. But we're not judging on how much of a yes man you are. We're judging. We're, we're assuming that beyond getting elected as an MLA, you were moved into cabinet because you have some level of competency. Mm-hmm. You have some level of leadership that you have some capacity to stand up and go, I am serving the province of Alberta first. Cause yeah. I'm, I am not the UCP finance minister. I am the government of Alberta's finance minister. I know it's an idealistic. It is. It really pull your head out of the clouds. It's <laughs> all I could think of the whole time is, wow, that's so idealistic. And I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that it should be idealistic. Unfortunately, in the current conversation, it seems incredibly idealistic. Very unfortunate place to well, find I, ourselves. And I should know better after 30 years of doing this. But <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, I can still dream. <laughs> I, still have, I still have ideals. Yeah. Uh, so Taves, Taves should move. Yes. But I do, I do agree. I don't know that he will, because like I said, if you, um, you know, you can't throw him under the bus just yet because you can't go through four different finance ministers and have people not realize that it's not the finance ministers. You can market it. You can market it as he was a business friendly, um, business focused finance minister. And you need somebody who's going to be the more compassionate service orientated. Ooh, how politically correct (laughs) (laughs) all right so next on the list just wait find out jason was listening to this and it's more (laughs) compassionate finance minister blah 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 that'd just be funny uh dimitrios nicolaitis advanced education 
Thank you for pronouncing. I would have butchered that. But. <laughs> it's all the years in uh, customer service. It's a lot of great names. Um, so I actually put him down as a tough call because I think he has been, you know, fantastic for the face of the trades professions in Alberta. But I also feel that conversely, he's been really crappy for any other uh, education attainment. Well, I think this gets back to where we're differentiating the line. I know if you are a partisan in any way, shape or form, he's the worst uh, advanced education minister we've ever seen, as will everybody else be the worst of whatever we're talking about. Did he do the job he was supposed to do? Supposed yes, to do as because, in for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, because the mandate of this government, again, from Kenny down, so specifically mm-hmm. into this portfolio, it's going to be trades don't get enough cred. Right. Let's, let's get trades a Hall of Fame. Yes. So did he do what he was supposed to do? Then the answer is yes. Yes, on that particular portion of the file, because we've also got uh, the Rutherford scholarship scandal, which turned out to be, you know, some text messages between the minister and, I don't know, his chief of staff or press secretary that said, are you sure that, like, why are we not putting out the applications? Well, finance said no. So, you know, one of the things, as you said, you're oh, elected Travis to... will leave that one then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Travis can get that Blame one too. Travis. Um, but even in, you know, you're not just representing your party. And I realize that's not the case when you're in government. But uh, you're supposed to be representing everyone. Yep. So, you know, the Rutherford Scholarship scandal was, it It was pretty big. That was just, that was just bull. Because I th- mm-hmm. they we have to remember too... They blamed that on a on an IT update when it turns out they purposely withheld the applications. So that was that was definitely something else. Uh, the post-secondary funding cuts, again, you know, does that it fits it fits in the sense that there wasn't a lot of respect for the university level because they know that university educated crew generally isn't going to support them. That's true, but it wasn't just, well, but they also attacked, uh, and the thing is, it was, I mean, it was across the board. You, you do have to say, even though they are very supportive of trades, Nate lost funding, SAIT lost funding, uh, Redger College, Medicine Hat College, like all of these places where you can actually get your trades education, they all lost funding. It's Redger so, University now. Sorry? Redder University now. Is it? Yeah. Huh. Ari. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, but, did he so, do what he was supposed to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, there's been a general uh, contention with post-secondary education as a whole. Yeah. From this, from this part of the spectrum. So, he did what he was supposed to do. They wanted to put cuts into this. They wanted to... Um, reel back the spending on that and that's what he did i mean even i would even go as far to say with the rutherford thing that's it the only problem with that was actually the political misfire there is that they didn't understand that it wasn't the students that rarely vote that were going to get pissed off 
and not vote for them because they don't vote. So it was, an, it was a calculated, calculated move on that part, mm-hmm. but they forgot that usually these students have one or two parents. Yeah. And, yeah. Parents and, were pissed. Yeah. And so who are the kids that are going for those scholarships? Low income. So if you've got somebody who's mom stayed at home to raise the kids for 18 years, dad's working as a plumber. What are they relying on? Scholarships. Mm-hmm. Kid gets to go to university to, you know, I want my kid to have a better life than I did. I want my kid not to be a plumber, but go get a university education. Now you pissed off that plumber who does vote UCP. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, like, like you said, political misfire. However, do not see him being uh, moved. No, I think, I think he stays where he's at. He's been, I think he's, he's been safe. a good loyal soldier. He's um, for the most part, other than a couple of boo-boos has stayed under the wire, delivered the cuts that he needed to deliver. He stays. All right. Next, there's a lot of people in this cabinet. Next is. We're not even going to comment on that, but somehow <laughs> he's got a larger cabinet than the evil socialist NDP. Uh, Mr. Nixon, environment and parks. Um, I would say this is another one of those. I know people dislike Jason Nixon um, and probably well-earned for many of the shenanigans. He's, and that's going to be the political word of the week, shenanigans. shenanigans. And, and all I can think of is super troopers. Yeah. What's that? Barbara, what's that place with all the shit on the walls? You mean shenanigans? <laughs> <laughs> Jason Nixon <laughs> probably was the most unlikely person you would have ever considered to be the next environment minister. Yes. That was you don't, look, you don't look at him and go, you know, it was a toss-up between the Wild Rose and the Green Party. You, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't consider him a greenie in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And outside of, you know, killing the job, killing carbon tax, um, he actually really hasn't done a whole lot egregious to the whole environment and parks. There's some people who disagreed with him. They were selling off some of the, uh, the park lines for private use. Yeah. But private management. That, yeah, but yeah. not egregious. No, not necessarily in line with somebody else's political opinions, but not egregious. No, and he's actually been—I mean, from what I've seen, he's been fairly good as so, well. Like he's—he's—he's he's, he's on the ground where he's supposed to be. He's popping up, not well, during health he's, updates. He's also on the ground where he's not supposed to be because he's up in Fort Mac. So unless he's checking <laughs> on a park up there, he's checking on the environment. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes, he's, I, I think he is, uh, he's also providing a bit of a steady voice. He did a press conference today on what was going on in Fort Mac. Uh, he did a, he did a decent job. I could see him if, um, because he's been obviously like, he was one of the the go-to guys. He's one of the guys that helped bring the wild rose ranks in line with the UCP. Um, I could see him getting a portfolio like, health Ooh. Ooh. Mm. he's he's a high performer like he has been so he, he is yeah i mean like really um some of the downfalls with him are the sense that um you know like as the house leader which no one's going to judge these things but he's the current house leader he was the one who brought bill 10 to the floor like that's his job as a house leader he brings these bills so Here's a guy who should have known that the fiasco that ensued with Bill 10 
and that's the one where it's like we get the power to do everything we want without legislative review that even you know john carpe said this is gonna say and then the hero (laughs) of the day turns out to be john carpe like we'll we'll, we'll be sending you a cape later john carpe (laughs) um yeah so it's like he owns that one he owns bill 21 from last fall the the omnibus bill that that took care of everything like let's fire doctors and let's fire the elections commissioner like whoa let's take care of everything that falls to him as well so so as the house leader like he's been great as the environment minister well great he's been proficient as the environment minister uh he's been a crappy house leader and i mean he we just got as of today the canadian journalists association named uh canada or alberta the most secretive government in canada well who owns that one oh that would be the house leader like (laughs) jason nixon again yeah so I, I, I could see Jason being moved to um, health so, and, then, and then somebody else would have to be house leader. Okay. So again, um, but solid, Oper- solid performance in his role as minister. Yeah. And, and you could see Jason daily talking health. He's yeah. got that big booming commanding voice. So yeah, he, he he would he would provide a very different narrative than what Tyler Shandro. Yes, which is actually unexpected. Yeah. Uh, probably not just from us. Um. <laughs> See, I'm, and I'm not even the biggest Jason Nixon fan, but I will give him his props where his props are due. So. Yeah. Okay. So he's so he. So he stays in cabinet, but likely moves into a more high-profile role. Yeah, which he's been in a relatively high profile, but I mean, as house leader, his job's been very much to to keep the kids in control. And for the most part, he's done a good job with that as well. Like I said, I I would question some of the bills they put forward. I mean, some of the other questions have come up is some of the bills that have been put forward in this session, were they really pandemic related? Did they need to be up right now? But um, again, with that loyal soldier. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So Jason Nixon gets a good goodish Goodish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Prasad Panda in infrastructure so this was kind of weird for me when I was looking into what what have we been doing with infrastructure Um, obviously that that portfolio is going to get a lot more attention over the next year whoever has it you know, my, my response to that was meh, good. I mean, there hasn't really been a whole lot. They've announced, you know, there's, there's funding going into hospitals, there's funding going into upgrading schools and, and upgrading a number of hospitals. Uh, one of which I will have to mention that Red Deer, who, whose hospital used to be on the list is no longer on the list. That's going to drive uh, Red Deer nuts. They're over capacity. They've been over capacity since before the selection. They've been screaming about it for ages. And, yeah. and, and I don't know, is it just that safe of a UCP seat that they don't have to worry about it or what? If you're arrogant, yes. <laughs> but they forgot who, who was representing Red Deer four years ago, five this years ago, true. now, two years, two years ago, make sure I do the right math. Okay. Yeah. So two years ago, there we go. One, one year, (laughs) one year and three weeks. Yes. So that's a, that is a tough call. Um, One of the things I did pull up. 
Someone dared to walk past a backyard in this area. Uh, We're not the only podcast that has barking dogs. We're okay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so the one thing that, that did give me a little bit of pause is that, that there was a government media announcement that uh, the Minister of Infrastructure went down to an IT conference in Chicago in late 2019 to, quote, promote Alberta to job creators in the IT industry. Well, it's funny, out of all the people, he was the one that went. Right? So that's, that's, a, like, that's the initial part going, huh? Now, granted, IT is infrastructure, right? It is, it is considered infrastructure. It's not considered infrastructure under his purview. No, I mean, if you were running <clears throat> high-speed internet all through Alberta and made it a utility, then yes, it's infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And we're already right. working with TELUS on that, so they right. didn't need to go to Chicago. Uh, so that was just strange. Plus, you know, we cut all of the uh, IT incentives to bring business here. So we'll, not, we'll not cover really more sure. of that under t- ten if year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of left him as a as a good question mark. Um, you know, has he has he performed in his role? I think so. I don't think that I don't think there's any cause to move him out or around. He's uh, definitely one of those ministers where no news is good news. Yes. Yes. And like I said, this, this particular portfolio will get a lot more attention over the next couple of years. So, and, and I can, I can attest cause I was one of the guys who ran against Prasad in 2015. Mm, foothills. Um, yeah. He, um, he's a loyal soldier. He reads from the book cause that's all he would do in the debate. Um, <laughs> But um, so I, I, I never did see where his competency as a MLA slash or even a minister came from. But at the end of the day, he's a loyal soldier. He's doing what he needs to be doing. If they tell him they'll go to Chicago and sell something, he goes to Chicago and sell something. Yeah, I would agree. So Sonia Savage. Um, we are having so many problems with energy right now. <laughs> um, and then much like, you know, Rachel Notley doesn't control global oil prices, neither does Sonia Savage. Mm-hmm. Um, but her job is to connect with industry. And I'm getting the sense that she wasn't listening. Like, uh, like she was a lobbyist, if I remember correctly, uh, with the oil and gas industry before running. And yet she seemed to completely miss the boat that things were going to be bad in oil for the next foreseeable future. This wasn't even taken into account COVID. This was just simply Russia and Saudi were going to get into a fight. Mm-hmm. If anything, this this um, pandemic has shortened the timeline of that fight because those two were ready to go at it. They yeah. were ready to go at each other because at the end of the day, the loser of that fight was going to be the United States. Right. right. Which is so, who they're both pissed at. <laughs> so, they, so they both win, both win by fighting. So that would have been something where if I'm the energy minister, I'm trying to brace industry for what's coming. Right. Industry and my province. Yeah. We didn't see that. We, we got her with Jason Nixon. That's actually one of his other notches that I didn't mention. And Doug Schweitzer, who are now the board of directors of a Canadian energy center, AKA the war room. Um, to go out and promote Canadian energy can't just be Alberta because that would be unpatriotic. Um, they, that was their solution to 
what was happening in the market. And we're sitting today, the 28th of April, West Texas is under 13 bucks a barrel and Western Slug is trading at minus $2.62. Yep. Now, part of that is due to the pandemic. Global consumption is massively down. No way to predict that. But <clears throat> industry was telling you that a fight with OPEC was coming. And they did nothing to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I see that this has been the failure of the energy minister in this role, is that there was plenty of signs telling you shit was going to hit the fan, and you chose not to do anything constructive about it other than to constantly let your premier go out and talk about oil and gas. Mm-hmm. She should have been, she's lobbied on this. She should have been able to go to him and go, Jason, bad things are coming. We've got to find a solution that might, she didn't have to go and do it in public, but there definitely should have been some backdoor conversations on that. Those conversations should have happened in a room and said, this is a problem. And we didn't do it. And then to ice the damn cake, we get $1.2 billion from the federal government for orphan well recovery and uh, remediation. And and then they put it out like they created five thousand new jobs, with her picture and our and the UCP colors. It's like we're investing one billion dollars to clean these things up. I had two questions: one, why are you taking somebody else's credit? And two, where'd the other two hundred million dollars go? Because you got one point two million, not one billion, one point <laughs> two billion. You like were you taking math lessons from Travis? Because apparently we lost two hundred million dollars in transfer. From the feds. Mm. All right. And that's, so I guess just for our, just, just for our rating, are we, are we considering that being a yes man or woman is good in certain roles, but not in others? Because, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of, toyed with that a couple of times now with like with uh, Nicolaitis, him being, you know, being that loyal soldier, Sonia Savage, we're not willing to give her a buy on that. And is it because of the fact that, that the energy profile is, and I'm not saying that uh, post-secondary and advanced education is not really important, but in Alberta, the energy file is really, really important. And so, I mean, are, are we going to, are we going to lay a little bit more at her feet saying, uh, you know, the, uh, there's no way that oil should have been at $58 a barrel and you should have lobbied against that as the energy minister. Um, if, if it was just, she was being a loyal soldier and things were, catastrophic on oil pricing, I would say keep her in line or keep her in the role, Um, not in line because that would be sexist. Um, (laughs) Definitely keep her in the role. However, because of the scope and the size and that this government has made oil and gas such a priority, that has made that ministry so important. I mean, we actually have an associate minister of natural gas. Right. So that's how important this, this ministry is. Because how many other ministries have associate ministers? Health has got one. Yeah. Multiculturalism, culture, and has one. And energy. Yeah. Yeah, so 
So she goes because, yeah, she's a, she's a, she's a poo emoji too, right? Well, I think it really just comes down to is she demonstrated that she hasn't connected with industry because industry would have told her these things. Right. Like oil and gas people like the UCP government. Mm -hmm. They voted for it. Yep. But they're not that stupid and they're not that in line that they wouldn't tell the minister when they showed up like bad things are coming help right. because they, those are the those are the conversations that happen when you're a government relations person or ceo talking with the minister is this is what we're seeing in the industry over the next 18 months yeah yeah that is that is actually odd because this seemed to it seemed to strike everyone as a surprise and it really shouldn't have. But you can see that, I mean, even if it doesn't look like the energy ministry knew what was coming just because of all of these other things, like the budget, like the oil and gas, oil and gas, oil and gas. Yeah. You they, know, shouldn't we, had, they shouldn't have had the budget at $58 a barrel. If you knew over the next 12 months that we should have been, we're going to be around 30. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Sonia is put a billion and a half into TC energy. No, no. Uh, Energy minister is one of the ones that we think should be out. Yep. All right. Uh, And, and the associate minister, um, Nally, I remember Dave, is it likely would be the one who moves up. He's been, he's been kind of under the radar. Yep. Which, as we identified, sometimes it's a not good being thing. in the news is a good thing. So, <laughs> and you know his his role, his attention seems to be uh, we're not making you know wild assumptions about natural gas and electricity right now. So, due to technical issues, next. Yeah. Um, Zoom fell down. Went boom. On to on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Lila here. Um. I, I've, I personally, I haven't met a lot of the cabinet ministers. Um, I, I shared dinner with uh, Leela uh, at the Pride Shabbat a couple of years ago. Wonderful person. I'm sure anybody who met most of the cabinet ministers would say that about each of the cabinet ministers. Um, but again, uh, another one of those no news is good news. She has been, um, she's been a loyal soldier. She's been doing all the right things. Um, she has been... Um, just solid as as a minister, not not anything other than just purely solid as a minister. And uh, doing your job, can, yeah. Um, I would like to see her get a uh, promotion. I think she is one of the uh, the stronger cabinet ministers they have. Um, hmm. And not not to take away from culture and multiculturalism or the status of women, um, but definitely could see uh, her ascending. To where I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, she, she was she was deputy. Uh, deputy she was deputy, deputy leader. leader. Yeah, yeah, deputy deputy leader um, before they got elected. So um, definitely, and I mean, but I mean, part of that's also she's she's ex well Roser as well. Yes. So there and is, and was a big Brian Jean supporter. So yeah. and I mean, one of the one of the acts they brought in was the Claire's Law legislation. Yeah. So that, that one, that was actually, that's a, one of the feathers that the UCP can put into their cap as, as a government in this last year was um, defending uh, women against um, 
potentially abusive uh, partners. So yes. um, that falls under her portfolio as uh, status of women. So, uh, you know, a couple of big thumbs up for her on that. So not good just for the lack of, um, but she, I know she saw it. So. All right. And yeah, I, I would agree with her or I would agree with that as well. Uh, next. Oh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Josephine Pond, seniors minister of Twitter, who gets a poo emoji from me. Yeah, she she's she's now one of the favorites of this podcast. <laughs> Favorite targets, that is. There we go. Yes, yes. Favorite target. Um, you know, one of the things that that I was kind of surprised to see because the ministry isn't just seniors, it's seniors and housing. And it's not just seniors housing, it's housing in general. But if you look through and because I had the, uh, because I had the lower half of the alphabetical list, I ended up also having uh, Rajan Sani, who is minister of community and social services. She has actually been taking the, lead on like homelessness prevention and housing well as far as like shelters and stuff go well it's funny because i also when i was digging and there'll be a minister we talk about later mr Uh, madu they they were talking about how edmonton was asking for more money um for homelessness and it was uh and housing and it was madu that responded quite flippantly about getting their fiscal house in order, but we'll get to him later. But okay. it's, it's funny how she's not talking on her portfolio. No, no, we haven't, we haven't heard much from her at all. Uh, you know, Mark and I have taken issue with this on, I believe it's episode 32, failing our grandparents. Um, she's just been MIA during this, during all of COVID I mean, the last time that she actually had uh, something to say via media release was, you know, much earlier in 2019. Although, to be fair, most of the ministers haven't said anything since 2019, at least in the media releases. When I was searching for them, there's a lot of them that, I mean, Prasad Panda is another one where there was nothing actually from him since 2019. So... Still, though, there's been a lot going on with seniors yeah, and well, housing. Well, as we identified in, in that one podcast, is that the mortality rate of seniors is, is astronomical. It's, a, it's an insanely large chunk of the population. And then when you get into long-term care, the, the percentage is even higher. So that's where you want your seniors minister standing up doing something. Doing I don't something. know what that. I don't know what it is, but I'm not running the ministry, so I can't tell you what that is. <laughs> I'm hoping that she would. Yeah, that there should be something, and I did. I did pull. I did pull one uh, Calgary letter from the YWCA, and it was uh, it was actually all of Alberta YWCA. In their letter, they had said that they were. I'm going to quote this actually. Uh, more specifically, through these fiscal times, we would like to apply to government's commitment to the following areas, making housing affordable and accessible for Albertans, 
um, creating new capital programs that facilitate partnerships between all orders of government, community operators, and private sector. Uh, and the intent to maximize federal funding for Alberta under the National Housing Strategy. So, I mean, even YWCA, the the focus was not on seniors, but it was definitely on housing, which again lends to this uh, definition of her ministry of being seniors and housing. Again, she just, I, I hate to say it because she's both a woman and uh, you know, someone who well is not a bald white male, no offense, Mark. Uh, but you know, she seems just, just, her action on this portfolio seems to lend credence to the idea that this was not a merit appointment, but an appointment to have another woman in cabinet and potentially someone who also looked a lot less like a bald white male. Well, and I mean, if you go back to the 2019 election, um, you had two key uh, female candidates out of Calgary who dropped out relatively short period of time uh, in Kaylin Ford. And I can't remember the one that was running in Calgary Southeast. Um, but they were, they were potentially, especially Kaylin Ford was, was identified as one of the stronger female candidates who was going to likely end up in cabinet. Yes. And, and meanwhile, you had Randy Kerr who was running in Calgary, Bedmington, the, the riding that uh, Ms. Pond uh, represents now. Uh, who was quickly punted with the whole um, uh, kamikaze campaign as a, yes. as a funder to that. So, and, and I believe Pond was actually appointed. I don't believe she, I think she'd lost the nomination contest and then was subsequently appointed. Uh, so After this Kurt. was, yeah. So this was not, this wasn't the strongest of candidates who's now suddenly become the strongest of MLAs, who's now the strongest of cabinet ministers. This was, you know, if you want to talk about accidental cabinet, which people <laughs> love the point at the NDP in 2015 with, this is this is unfortunately the UCP's accidental cabinet minister. Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. She is, I'm assuming. But, but go back to episode 32 if you want to hear us rail on her forever. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, just, just she's, I, I'm quite certain is on her way out. They haven't, they haven't put her in front of a camera. They have not been asking her to speak on behalf of what's being done for seniors, long-term care, anything of the sort. So I'm assuming and, she's. And, and to put it into context, um, we had Rick Wilson in front of the media after the first first nations um, infection. So yeah. as soon as first nations have an infection, we've got the, the indigenous affairs minister up and speaking. Mm -hmm. We have a 60 some percent mortality rate in seniors and we haven't heard from the seniors minister. Yeah. Yeah. She's not sticking around and she may be a really, 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 really nice lady, but uh, uh, she just, just bombed this whole cabinet thing. Yep. Okay. So moving on. Jason Copping, Minister of Labor and Immigration. Right. Um, 
I, you know, as we did our research on this, I, I didn't see really any negative strikes against uh, Jason. I mean, the, with the, um, with the movement to a pandemic era, um, his, his portfolio was very quick to respond to uh, employment changes for extending the term of temporary unemployment and emergency benefits. Now there were some problems with collecting the emergency benefits. <laughs> Separate issue. That's all Separate IT, ministry. Apparently. <laughs> apparently that's all IT's fault too. Um, but <laughs> they were quick to respond. So, you know, thumbs up, thumbs up for Jason on that. Jason copying. Uh, cause we've got like four Jason's in the cabinet. Um, thumbs up for Mr. Copping on, uh, responding in that way. Uh, for the most part, I haven't really found that labor was doing a whole lot. They had changes to the minimum wage. Yes. If you're a over caffeinated lefty run them like of Alberta for that, but this was something the party ran on. Yeah. So they won. That shouldn't have been a surprise. It was implemented. That should have been a surprise. So that's, you know, that's another thing that he's done. The, what I, what I guess is, is that because uh, Jason Copping's background is actually as a labor relations specialist worked right. for um, CP Rail in that role has been a um, lecturer at both, I believe Mount Royal and UC, um, at least as I creeped his LinkedIn uh, on that. Um, yes. So just in that was why I was on your LinkedIn. I wasn't trying to offer you a job. You haven't even updated your LinkedIn to say you're the minister, as as some of the other ministers have. But Jason is one of them. Um, but um, yeah, he's so he's got a background in labor relations. So I'm really thinking the reason he's sitting at a cabinet table, not just because he could do the labor portfolio, but uh, as the government is going after pretty much every contract they've got right now, it'd be useful to have somebody who understands contract law. Yes. No, absolutely. And that's agree. his forte. So, you know, if you're going to go after the doctors and the radiologists and the teachers and the teachers' aides and the, uh, well, government agencies and bureaucrats and, you know, just line them all up, um, it's good to have somebody who actually understands that because he's not a lawyer, but he's, he's, um, I can't remember the term, but yeah, no, he's, he's trained as that's his niche. So, okay. So, not an LLB, but some other ABC. Love, love acronyms. All right. So Jason Copping stays. Yeah, I, I fully expect he'll stay in labor. Okay. Devin Dreeshen, Minister of Agriculture and Forestry. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's special. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest. I was running the campaign for the Alberta Party uh, against uh, Devin in the by-election. Right. Sylvan Lake. Yeah. Innisfil, Sylvan Lake. Innisfil, Sylvan Lake. Devin was the no-show for pretty much everything. Like, they, they, they took it for granted that they were going to win. Oh, what a surprise that they did. Oh, um, they won big, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, he, he knew he didn't have to do a whole lot, and he didn't do a whole lot. Um, so, you know, as, as somebody who, you know, was busting his ass trying to help get my candidate elected, it was rather annoying to, to see that kind of inactivity. Uh, in the riding and, you know, totally running on the fact that um, you've got name recognition because your dad's the MP. Mm-hmm. So, but that part aside, that part aside. So yes, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sharing my personal bias <laughs> with Mr. Dreeshen. Um But I mean, like before he, you rate him as bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'll put an asterisk beside that. Mark is jaded. So, 
But, I mean, here's a guy I, I don't think should have ever gone into cabinet in the first place. Um, on the ag- agricultural side, there hasn't been a whole lot of um, bad things in that regard. Uh, they did cut a bunch of funding for the repel, the wildfire repel crew um, in November. And then in March, they cut some more money out of training for firefighting. And then you had to reverse a bunch of that uh, in April. Wildfire it, season. Yeah, we'd prefer, we prefer not to have fires while we're handling a uh, pandemic. Well, mm-hmm. we have fires every year. Like, we don't have a pandemic every year, but we do have fires every year. And it wasn't just funding to wildfires. Like this was funding that went into volunteer fire departments around the province. Mostly in rural areas where they don't have money for a full-time fire department. Yeah. So you've got these guys who are, are giving up their time and uh, time, energy and risking their lives to some levels. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be appropriate to have these volunteers trained and, and, and the government's response is, well, we, we don't want to pay for it. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little disappointing on that. Now, um, Devin really got into the media here um, two weeks ago, I guess it was. You know, it's yes. everything's a blur these days. But um, very much was the, everything's fine at Cargill. You can go back to work. No worries. And then two days later, massive outbreak uh, announced at Cargill. Uh, and now we've had subsequent uh, one person... I think, I don't know if it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's only been one person, a a woman in her sixties. Yeah. So one person, yeah. Who's now they assume attract or contracted COVID at the plant and has, has passed. Plus there's 500 some odd people and growing. Uh, It's basically being attributed for one in four cases in Alberta is from the, is associated with the the Cargill plant now. Yeah. So Cargill, I believe the last numbers, uh, okay. And I might be a couple of days out on this. The last numbers I saw for Cargill were uh, just over 500. However, Brooks also has a meat packing plant there. Brooks is seeing, Brooks has just seen a massive outbreak that has gone beyond the plant itself. So they well, and- also... And you'll see that with the uh, you'll see that with the Cargill numbers as well. Yeah, I don't I don't know if those five hundred plus are purely Cargill employees. Um, I'm not there testing. No, they're I not. They're, I know, they're just Brooks. Yeah, because I know a couple of them. The were the I think they're up to fifteen now out at um, Eden Valley. Okay. At the Nakota um, First Nation. Yeah. And that's being tied into um, Cargill that there's community transfer from that. So, so I mean, here's here. You know, I know there's some people who want to rail on Cargill because, and the OHS because o- o- OHS did an inspection via FaceTime as opposed to having somebody in person. That would, you know, OHS is actually, if I remember correctly, from my government days, labor. Yeah. Um, so that would actually be on cuffing. But reason Devin's wearing it is one, it was a meat packing plant, and two, he said it was okay. Yes, there was there was a good four days of him tweeting out how okay everything was. So yeah, he, he does get to wear that. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I don't think it's going to be enough for him to be moved. No, Devin is definitely a, a well-connected conservative. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I also don't see it being enough to move him. Um, 
you know, Dr. Dina took full responsibility for uh, misjudging that, so to speak. So uh, there's, there's actually no blowback on that position at all. Yeah. Uh, but still not rating it good because it wasn't okay. Yeah, he could have easily been one of those ministers where no news is good news. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Um, but he has he has actually been fairly active on the file. That that's another thing I will give him. That is his wheelhouse. His wheelhouse is agriculture. He grew up in it. Um, you know, he has the connections. He is probably, I would say, one of the stronger um, choices, even though. Yes, young, possibly inexperienced, but at the same time, you know, lifetime of experience within, and it's not just within the industry of agriculture, but it's also within, you know, the conservative uh, circles. Oh, so, yeah. Well, you know, like I he, said. He has the connections that Sonia Savage should have. Well, Son- <laughs> well Sonia does have them. Sonia does have think, them. Yeah. Like she's, she's heavily connected in the conservative ranks as well. Just, I, I think what's happened, the difference here is that, um, less of an onus on agriculture. Right. Which so I should also change actually with a, within the next year or two. Well, and it, we will probably dig into this more when we get down again, down to Tandy fear. Uh, but, um, it's, it's very much a, what's the next phase look like? What's the next phase of Alberta looks like? agriculture and agribusiness very much has a role in all this. Mm-hmm. So there is an opportunity for um, Devin to pull himself up by the bootstraps and, uh, and really shine as a cabinet minister. Yep. I would agree. Um, so not super thrilled with him, but he definitely stays. Right. Like I said, I started off jaded. So. <laughs> all right. Next we have. Rejan Sani, uh, Community and Social Services. She gets an A or a good. Um, she has been very busy between uh, Community and Social Services is a huge portfolio as well. It's it's one of those ones that you know moves over a lot of different areas, and she's actually been one of the stronger voices on uh, homelessness homelessness prevention. Uh, she does wear a little bit of the H that was something and she's on record with Alberta views, uh, September, 2019 edition. And they had asked her in January, Alberta increased H and income support and indexed those to inflation. What do you think of those moves? And her response was, I think it's fair. It's compassionate. I think it's sensible. Inflation has made life much more expensive for all Albertans, all Canadians. I'm fully supportive. That was, of course, before they de-indexed Aish. And yeah, a month later in the budget. Yeah, but... But, but again, this gets back to... <laughs> the, the UCP was not seen as your most empathetic government. This no. was not going to be a portfolio <laughs> that uh, um, was going Received to do funding. well. Yeah, well, it wasn't going to... wasn't The portfolio itself wasn't going to do well uh, <laughs> under UCP government. And so whoever the minister was, is, was going to eat it. The fact that... Um, she's been able to be a better advocate um, just tells you really how well of a job because you, you were starting um, behind everybody else. 
Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as mentioned before, she has, she has been uh, kind of front and center in things like, uh, you know, the gymnasium convention space is repurposed for uh, shelters and homeless people so they did not have to sleep in overcrowded spaces because with COVID that made a difference. And so again, she was, she was a face for that. Yep. Not the minister of seniors and housing. Right. Well, and, and beyond that, I mean, yeah, there, there was a, there was a little bit of crap thrown at that, you know, oh, the mats were too close. Why are we in a church basement? Why aren't we taking over hotels? Um, There, there was a lot of second guessing of the portfolio, but again, this is in alignment with how, you know, the UCP views homelessness. Right. I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, we had the, the mayor of Las Vegas who was just painting squares on a road. So the fact that the fact that Alberta's homeless at least got a mat. Yeah. um, I'm not saying that I'm not saying we should have drawn squares on a road. I'm just saying is that hotel rooms would have been fantastic. The fact that they got something to lie on um, was an improvement over what could have happened. Yes. Yes. So uh, in the end, she probably doesn't move. No, no. Uh, Well, Interesting <laughs> side note on this. Um, it's a big and interesting and, and empathetic portfolio. And on March 21st of this year, suddenly she got a parliamentary secretary. Now, some of the other secretaries and associate ministers right. handle a part of a portfolio, you know, like, you know, Sonia Savage has an associate minister of natural gas. So you have energy and then you have Dale Nally, who's, um, natural gas and then got promoted to natural gas and electricity. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure what's left of energy other than just the oil because natural <laughs> gas is somewhere else. Um, uh, uh, Rajon got a whole parliamentary secretary for the whole portfolio in Jeremy Nixon. Yes. And he's also got it, quite a background in. Yeah. He, so he was the non-profits. former executive director, former executive director of the mustard seed, um, uh, you know, uh, and was also former executive director of the Alberta Park, or not the Alberta, Wild Rose Park. Wild Rose, um, yeah. Yeah, so... And and UCP. Interim. Was he? He was, there according to his bio. Okay, so I would almost guess, because initially he was put into place, the, the news article I saw was he was put into place to help transition nonprofits, so there was some money coming, and so that was how he was going to be utilized. But it was, I found it interesting that like on the 16th, that's how it was going to be utilized. And then on the 21st, five days later, he gets a full title with that matches what his minister is. So I would put a circle around her, not so much leaving because of incompetence, but likely that her successor has been put into place and she's going somewhere. Okay. So if she's, if, as we said, she's been, um, loyal, she's been, um, she's been loyal. She's been a good trooper. She's been the face of things. She's, taking the crap dealt with her and kept moving on. You know, if, if I see Leela moving up to another role, here's somebody who can easily move into uh, culture, multiculturalism and status of women. Okay. So possibly moving, but not being tossed from cabinet. No, I, I doubt she'll be tossed. I, okay. Next up, we're going to give you finally Tanya Fur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, 
it's she's I don't know how to best grade her. I don't think they've done they've handled this well. But again, this has been this petro focus of this government is that, you know, when you're talking about we want economic development, uh, trade and tourism, uh, those are not things that this government has ever focused on. If if anything, um, economic development, trade and tourism have been, um, you know, poo-pooed on because they weren't oil and gas. Right. Because the pipeline doesn't fall under trade. We're not interested in diversifying the economy. And tourism is just tourism. Like people, like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a key portfolio, but it's going to be. It so, is. So when you take a look at things like tourism's like the number three, number four um, generator of uh, revenue for the government. That's, they're going to drop, unfortunately. I, you know, like Tourism Alberta is working on a 10 year strategy to get people to come visit. The problem is we're probably going to have the border closed for another 18 months. Yeah. Like, yeah, we will definitely be discouraging travel from the U S you know, Banff who has a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of the Asian communities, you know, Japan, China, Korea, the like come over. That's not going to happen this time around. Yeah. And so how do we, you know, how do we attract people like Canadians? Because there's going to be a lot of Canadians that are all going to be fighting for each other's Canadian travel dollars. Once Canada starts traveling. Yeah. But so there's, there's, that's going to be like their whole thing they've been working on. is going to go out the window and they're going to have to restart um, that. So, but a lot of that's being driven by tourism, Alberta, not by the tourism ministry, mm-hmm. uh, but they are working with them. But the other, the other two big hits that uh, Tanya takes in this is that they, they cut $76 million out of Alberta innovates. And I mean, this is 125 jobs. There's just one thing, but this is, this is who's supposed to be designing the tech future for Alberta of companies. the province. And, yeah. and it's like, but we don't need it that badly. Because we, we, we have oil. <laughs> Guess what? Our oil, we have to pay people to take our oil now. And we got nowhere to put it. Like capacity. all. And so what's our plan B? And this government has never shown a plan B. Tanya's in charge of plan B now. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the other one was is that there was cuts to subsidies for tech and innovation beyond the cuts to Alberta Innovates. Yeah. And like a lot of the experts are saying, that's how you bring venture capital dollars to Alberta. They want to see that there's, there's somewhere that those innovations can start mm-hmm. and then, and they'll fund those things because those companies do become eventually profitable. They don't need the subsidies, but they need the subsidies to start. And so you got the tech industry got a double whammy from this government mm-hmm. and Tanya's got to wear that. Now she hasn't stood up in the, the press so much to speak on these things. But that's her portfolio. So um, this this province, you know, we've always talked about, you know, we need to diversify the Alberta economy. That's been a running joke probably for 20-some years now in this province. As everyone says it, nobody does anything. We need to do it, and we need to do it now. So she's got an opportunity to really turn things around, much like Devin. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, let's see if she can pull herself up by the bootstraps as well. So. And I would hate to see that this particular appointment was also a uh, an appearance diversification by or choice by Jason Kenny, because this is, as you said, this is a portfolio that's going to become very, very, very important. It was important before COVID. 
it is 10 times as important after. So, I mean, we really should be hearing from, you know, there's a couple of ministers who may not have been front and center in the media this last year, this next year, we should be hearing from them weekly. And so do you think Tanya Fur makes it through? Um, Well, the cuts, the cuts that were made under her portfolio were in alignment with what this government believed. Right. So as much, and this goes back to loyal soldier Mm -hmm. did what, did what she's supposed to do. So she, she's getting strikes from everybody else, Mm-hmm. but not her government. So I don't, I don't see her moving. All right. And let's go down to, and by down, I mean, I'm scrolling. Uh, <clears throat> Rebecca Schultz, children's services. She's also done uh, a fairly good job as far as uh, continuity. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I got out of everything that I was looking at is that she took the role with an intention to not reinvent the wheel. And I think that was, I think that was a bold stance to take as a UCP minister taking over from uh, an NDP minister. She looked at it and said, you know, there's, there are things that have been started. What do we want to continue with? What's working? What's not? And so I actually, uh, everything that I could find was was basically good. So so that was nice. Uh, I didn't, you know, children's services did become, uh, I don't even want to call it a political football because that is definitely not what children's services ever has been. But, you know, there were some things that happened uh, under the NDP that really made it front and center. Uh, thankfully, that has not happened under Rebecca Schulz, but I don't see any reason for her to be removed. Well, and we were talking off camera is that not only did she want to make sure the continuity and take over from the NDP, but you had said that she'd actually met with the former NDP minister. Yes. Yeah. She and, said that that was one of the first things that she did. And, and really do you, do you look at some of the other cabinet ministers? Could you honestly see, Tyler Shandro and Sarah Hoffman right. having, a, having a conversation. Travis Taves asking Joe Cece to lunch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shannon, Shannon Phillips and uh, Jason Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Those, I mean, those two, just, those, those two just strike me like peas in a pod. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she, I think she approached this. She approached this like, um, she approached this like a manager, like a manager well, who wanted to succeed. But that's that's ultimately what you would hope every cabinet minister would do. You would. I know idealism, Mark. What are you doing? Stop <laughs> and that that's right. why this yeah. stands out because yes. she did yes, it. So she actually did. <laughs> it's possible. Yes. That, that's like walking around going, "Oh, holy crap! There are unicorns." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody just didn't glue a pylon to a horse's head. That's an actual unicorn. <laughs> so. And she has also been a little more front and center during COVID simply because of the fact that uh, people are at home now. Home is not always a safe place. And she's, there's a dog going down the stairs. Yes. Uh, she, um, she has been a little more front and center in this as well. Again, 
just shining more light on the fact that some ministers have been MIA throughout all of this. Yeah, I, I, I do recall, I think it was a tweet that I saw a picture of her and, oh, I'm going to Jeremy see. Nixon? Yes, that's who the yes. other one was. Yeah, visiting a senior center. Yes, delivering, making deliveries for Calgary yes. seniors. Yeah. Was it yeah, Calgary? Yeah, it was. I know, I know both of them don't live in, <laughs> one only one lives in Calgary, so whatever. So, <laughs> so all right. <laughs> Poor Josephine Pond. I actually feel bad how much we are ragging on her because I, it's, anyway. Um, <laughs> I can't even say for sure that it's not her fault. It's just like, oh my gosh. All right. So we are going next to Nate Glubish, Minister of Service Alberta. Um. I, uh, yeah, he's very much a no news is good news um, kind of guy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't dig, you know, I wasn't doing like investigative journalism type digging into him, but I mean, like <laughs> you do a Google search for him and you find nothing um, other than he's the minister of service Alberta. Um, that's, that's all I could find. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, you know, he hasn't when, screwed when up that the, badly then. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> keep your head down and everything's fine. He's, he's delivered on that. So uh, he's, he's excelled by staying off the radar. So, you know, service Alberta for the most part, I would say it's, it's a vital role within the operation of the government, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily a vital role within the operation of cabinet. Right. Right. So don't mess things up and you're okay. Yeah. So he, so he stays. Yep. Doug Schweitzer. This was an interesting one because he did have, as you mentioned, a small conflict of interest with the investigation into the UCP leadership. Um, yeah, if we had this conversation um, back in, say, September, it would have been, been Doug who was the uh, don't go away mad, just go away. <laughs> Doug would have had the poo emoji. Yeah. But, but suddenly... Um, Suddenly he's just there doing his job. Yeah. Again, yeah. like um, nothing, nothing big on the um, horizon on justice. He's been, you know, the uh, uh, Claire's law uh, could easily have been put under his portfolio just as much as it would have been under status of women or joint. I don't actually know who passed it uh, mm-hmm. or presented it right. uh, but it's, it's one of those things where as soon as he figured out that uh, he should probably be, trashing Nenshi less and and letting go of the portfolio <laughs> of uh of the investigation into the ucp leadership things things calm down for doug yeah i think so as well and and granted justice is not a portfolio right at the moment that is front and center with what with everything else that we have going on right now um <clears throat> however one could point to the fact that Alberta has more individuals incarcerated waiting for their day in court than any other province. So we still have that issue right now where we do not have enough uh, judges appointed. Yeah. We, we still need that. That is under Schweitzer, but at the same time, but that, uh, that's, that's a problem that's extended since Harper's days. That's right. So this, this is, this is a problem. Like this isn't a partisan, like, the UCP and the conservative movement don't like judges. This is, this is supposed to be the crew that are the law and order lovers. 
Yes. There should be judges being punted out weekly. Um, <laughs> they're not, um, but I'm not going to put that down as a failing. Right. Yeah, same. I think he's, I think he is relatively safe. Um, one of the things that I am cautious about is the fact that, uh, that while no news is good news for some ministries, justice is a more, uh, what do I want to call it? A ministry that is more front and center in, in, in most cabinets. So well, the, the, the government's in charge of writing laws. <laughs> no, you <laughs> know. Then there's, there's the enforcement of the said laws. So, and actually, and I guess you could say as well that justice moved fairly quickly to do what needed to be done during COVID. Yeah. So they again, shut, that just, they, that they just goes to down. say good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is also one of three directors of the Canadian energy center. Yeah, that's one of those strikes against him. So, <laughs> all right, back up to Adriana Lagrange, I, Minister of Education. Sorry, I, every time I hear her name, I just go to the ZZ Top. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Uh, you gave her a she, poo emoji. Yeah, she is. Um, she is definitely not popular with a lot of people. Um, yeah. Might be popular with the homeschooling crowd, but. Um, you know, it starts off when you're repealing Bill 24 uh, and taking away the rights of LGBTQ kids to be able to form a GSA without informing their parents. Yeah. Like, that was critical. That was completely ideological to remove that. Uh, you can claim anything you want of that. It's just a line of bullshit. That's all there is to it. And uh, so that wasn't cool. And that that's that's enough just that one act alone would be enough to give her a crappy emoji but uh but if we there? rate her if we yes. rate her the same as everybody else yeah so i mean like that was gotta, ucp policy they promised yeah, yeah i suppose well they didn't really <laughs> promise they got caught they Janet, did promise Janet they French 100 percent promised yeah well so they promised <laughs> but they didn't actually say this is what was going to happen. They just, they had put it under a different label and then Janet French called them during the election. Yeah. But it didn't matter because there was all these other things. So if it was just that, then yes, you're right. She did exactly what her bosses wanted to be in. So be it. Um, I mean, but I mean, we also had, you know, there's a $128 million cut right after they sent all the kids home. Yep. And it's, they, they'd already just went through the whole, like the school board's been told, okay, you're getting cut in the October budget. Um, but you'll be fine. That's all the cuts we're doing. <laughs> and and then it's like, surprise! Because we're sending all the kids home. We, you guys don't need all this extra money. We're going to put it to COVID. And it's yeah. like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Like, just because they don't have the official role of teacher doesn't necessarily mean they're still not needed. I mean, like people had said, you know, you cut all the substitute teachers. So now all these teachers who are working from home now can't get a day off. Yeah whatever the rationale is like you're sick too bad go puke in the garbage can next to the computer and then continue with your zoom lesson like there there was that piece was missing you had educational assistance this was the time that you needed educational assistance more than normal yeah and it's like no we but we don't actually need them because you're not in the classroom speaking of which some were actually still in the classroom so that's why you needed the custodial services that were still working and sanitizing schools for when kids eventually return 
I have a question. Sure. How many times have you driven past a school and seen the parking lot is still full? Uh, I don't drive anywhere. I'm staying at home like a good person. <laughs> okay. So sometimes I have to go to the store and the parking lots at the schools still have a lot of cars in them. Well, it's a lot of the, a lot of the teaching staff are still working out of the schools. Yeah. That's where all the materials and resources are. So, you know, you know, great on the ones who can work from home, but most of them have their teaching um, stuff at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are, so there's a number of teachers that are still actually heading into the classroom every day and, you know, uh, educational assistants, as I said, they were needed beforehand. Um, however, again, minus the bias of really hate the choices this government has made. Um, I think I have to disagree with your uh, poo emoji because I think what, she's... What if, what if I said they also... Uh, <laughs> what if I said they were also uh, removing the word public from all the school divisions for absolutely no reason? They didn't I, run on that. That's just petty. Okay. It may be petty, but it's still in line with what this government would like to achieve. This government doesn't like the public? Correct. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> that, that 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 was a a complete move, a bureaucratic bureaucratic bullshit. Like, I mean, take out the fact that okay, this is we don't actually we should just be a school division, not public, not private. Just just the administrative costs of having to rebrand everything. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. But so sometimes I'm, I'm it's okay my... to spend more money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, <laughs> that's what this government's I'm, I'm standing in my poo emoji. Stomping my feet. Listening <laughs> yeah, to ZZ yeah, Top. You... Spraying everywhere. Okay. So we disagree on Adriana LaGrange. Yeah. Um, next up, because yes, this is still going on. We still have more. Um, Rick Wilson, Indigenous Services. Rick has been one of those ministers, again, who, when called upon, uh, does exactly what he should be doing. Um, he's, he's, he's there to speak on behalf of uh, Indigenous relations. He, I, I, ha- I, have, I have nothing bad to say about... Wilson. Yeah, very much. He's the, again, no news, uh, no news good is good news. There's all, I, I think if we're, if we're going to end up seeing a outbreak in first nations, uh, I think we're going to see him a lot more frequently. Yes. Which those have started. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Casey Madu. Um, from what I've been hearing through my channels, um, He's not overly popular with most of the municipalities. Basically walking into the Edmonton City Council or Calgary City Council, telling them to get their, their financial houses in order, not, not the way to uh, uh, build good bridges between municipality and uh, the provincial government. The, um, the, other, the other issues I'm seeing is that he's taking a lot of, um, he's taking a lot of the costs that the government used to bear and putting those on municipalities but not sharing the tax revenue that would go to pay for those things. So 
they're 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 balancing the budgets of the the provincial government off the backs of municipal. Yes. Uh, again, um, and because I'm out in rural, so I was paying a lot of attention to my rural councillors, uh, Reeves, and my Reeve out in Wheatland County, which I live in Wheatland County. They're technically not my Reeve because I live right in Strathmore and I have a mayor, but still it, it's all affected. And my Reeve did mention how, uh, how happy she has been with what the government is doing. Um, she wouldn't appreciate that. She didn't appreciate it when I was writing at the Strathmore times. I'm pretty sure she wouldn't appreciate it now either. Uh, but those are the things that she said that she well, was happy with how this government would, was dealing with municipalities. She was happy with Casey Madu as, as uh, municipal affairs minister. Apparently everything is great. Well, I, I wouldn't doubt that there's partisans out there that are big fans. I'm sure Sean Chu here in Calgary is a big fan of uh, uh, Casey as well. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it comes down to the, balancing the budgets on the municipalities. That's just going to hurt municipalities. And anybody who hasn't quite figured that out yet just hasn't real, hasn't paid their, their municipal taxes. <laughs> because those are, those are going to go up and they're going to go up dramatically. And I mean, you have a lot of rural communities who are also really upset that uh, a lot of oil and gas companies aren't paying their taxes. So right. you have increased costs, like, great, you gave us more police, but now we're having to pay for it out of tax base that we didn't have in the first place. And, and the taxes we are supposed to be collecting, the oil and gas companies aren't paying. Right. Yeah, they're oh. they they're owing over like a hundred and eighty million dollars to municipalities like yeah. in Alberta. So like it, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount. Yeah, and 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 now you're going to see with the downturn in the oil and gas economy, Calgary is going to be missing a lot of tax revenue because those companies just aren't going to be downtown at all. Yeah. And so, so there's a there's a big whammy coming for municipalities. Well, that's already here. It's just I don't think taxpayers have really caught on. The worst part of this all is that those taxpayers are going to get really upset with like the Nenshis and the Ivisons and the Tara Veers and mm-hmm. the Bill Givens mm-hmm. and all the local mayors because they're going to have to start raising local taxes by like nine or 10% uh, to pay for all the municipal services. And people are going to get upset because their municipal taxes went up, not their provincial. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that was by design. Um, now, so here, so here's this a question. Would be deceivious and do things like that. Where would you ever <laughs> get such an idea? The thing too, is that, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes the out outrage outcry. So looking at, looking at Tyler Shandro. So he has outraged a particular subset of individuals in the province, namely doctors. And that is, that's actually, you know, moving out towards the general public. Whereas, do you think that Casey Madu's, do you think him being the face of this just yet has actually hit 
taxpayers in their wallets? Has it actually hit people? I, I think it'll start hitting them in the next, you know, well, we've also have now uh, municipal taxes being deferred and the like. So it could be a little while still. And then it's going to be kind of muddled in with everything being delayed. So you're not going to see a lot of that. But on top of that, the difference between the municipal increases and the outrage in health is that the doctors have, have stood up and screamed. And people notice because it's their doctors and doctors still have a higher level of credibility than politicians and municipal politicians haven't stood up and screamed yet. That's true. And I I would assume that's going to happen eventually. It was almost, it was almost staved off. I don't think they will, because at the end of the day, if you're, yeah, if I mean, you're against Nancy, the UCP. Nancy, yeah, if you're Nenshi or Iveson, you might be able to find a job outside of municipal government. But if you start getting into small town mayors and councillors, th- these guys are business owners. And we talked about this on a previous um, episode. There are ramifications for if speaking you're not out UCP. against. Yep. Yeah. So they will bite their tongues on a lot of this. They will eat a lot of this for the government because they, they can't afford either politically or financially to speak out where the doctors have said, you know what, screw you. I'm going to New Zealand. Yeah. We have options. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they will up and go and they, they, and they, it's not just, they've threatened to do this. They're going to, and you, you, you know, you can't have red deer go, you know what, screw you. We're moving to Saskatchewan. That, that, this isn't going to happen. So they're, they're, they're bound to stay where they're at and they're going to have to make the best of what they've got whether they want to or not yeah no i would i would agree with that and so casey madu even if and you did rate him as bad but he is doing exactly what jason kenny and the ucp want him to be doing i think he stays uh, i'd agree with you he stays yeah all right did we finish the nope, oh we got we, one left we've got one left last but definitely not least rick mciver everybody's favorite dr no <laughs> minister of transportation yep you had now, a you had a lot of good things to say about him really well i mean one of the things to point out is outside of uh jason kenny he's the only guy who knows how cabinet works yes the rest, the rest of ours were all rookies. So this, this is not, this is not Mr. McIver's rookie year. No, so. and and he he had a um, he was previously minister of transportation. There you go. Before he lost it, so, and it wasn't but, technically him. It was the PC party that lost it. But <clears throat> so he used to be minister of transportation. Yeah, and, he's back uh, there again. Yeah, and a number of uh, projects uh, under the transportation portfolio going forward. They've uh, they've continued with funding with the Anthony Hyundai and with the Calgary Ring Road. Um, LRT projects are going both in Edmonton and Calgary. Mm-hmm. So those are going to keep going forward. And really, when you talk about, uh, we talked about it a bit with Prasad Panda that um, post-pandemic, um, the, the spending is going to go into infrastructure. This is actually one of the infrastructure that's going to be roads roads and rail and that so this will be some of the infrastructure so um rick's been doing a good job i know a lot of people don't like rick because rick's a social conservative but rick's been doing a good job as a cabinet minister i fully expect that he's going to stay on unless they want to put him into something more high profile Ooh, 
He's he's well. I mean, you you know, think about you got a bunch of zealots who came over in the ranks and sat in cabinet suddenly, and you needed somebody with a solid hand to kind of keep everybody in line. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2015, that person's name was Brian Mason. Yeah. In 2019, is that person's name Rick McIver? Yeah. Rick's Rick's not the house leader, but Rick's been there before. Rick's Rick's one of those guys that you know. Um, one of the older guys sitting in that room, one of the guy, one of the more experienced guys sitting in that room, because I mean, to scream and yell from the opposition ranks is one thing to actually be in cabinets another. And so he might be one of those guys who he might have the unofficial title of cabinet mentor to a number yeah. of portfolios. Absolutely. And, and he's just, you know, kind of same with, with some of the other portfolios. Uh, no news is good news. Yeah. And he's really actually delivering good news. So, right. So we've only got a few people moving out. I almost wish that I would have kept track of that as we went along, but there likely would have been a cabinet shuffle sometime soon because we are heading on the one year anniversary. We may be, you know, as, as much as we thought that they would hold off on a cabinet shuffle because of what's going on, we're also looking at it saying they're not going to hold off again because of what's going on, because they need to possibly change course. Yeah. I mean, we're, I won't say we're necessarily flat in the curve, but I think we're, we're at a stage in Alberta that we're looking far enough down the road that we can start making some future decisions on mm-hmm. opening the economy. What does that look like? What does second spike look like? How are we going to handle those things? I think this is the time that, you know, in a leadership role, which Jason Kenny, we never did really cover his other portfolio. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, we did have one left, didn't <laughs> yes. we? Well, we forgot. Well, we can wrap that up with the, but, but I would say in the leadership role, you're, you're looking ahead going, okay, what's the next year, next 18 months look like? And do I have the right people on, you know, if, if you're subscribing to the leadership roles, um, you know, the, the Jim Collins, it's, it's not just about getting the right people on the bus. It's getting the right people in the right seat. Yes. So if Kenny is a subscriber to any of those type of leadership philosophies, he's looking at his entire cabinet going, okay, Chandra's got to go, <laughs> but do I have the right people on the bus and do I have the right people in the right seats? Mm-hmm. And so as, as we've talked around, like uh, uh, Taves is likely not shouldn't be on the bus but i i don't see him being completely kicked off i just see him being moved he might be one of those guys who you know takes over for rick mckyver and transportation if rick moves right so a bit of a demotion but not gone um same with uh sonny savage i don't see her being completely punted from cabinet but i do see potentially being demoted in some capacity but that opens up some different opportunities for um others to step up and really show what they can do yes and I mean, this has been like, this is, this is for sure a long episode. There's a lot of people in cabinet. And do you, do you think that they will reduce the number of people in cabinet or do you think there's a possibility they will actually increase the number of people in cabinet? They might think, I think they they might might increase. They might split the number of portfolios. I don't know if they'll add more people. Hmm. Like, like some, like we were talking earlier, some, somebody like uh, a Dale Nally might move up into energy so that moves Sonia Savage into a different role. She's not going to be leaving cabinet. 
So does she, do they split a different portfolio into two people or do they take health and make it into uh, a multiple uh, portfolio or do they take economic development, trade and tourism and go, look, just economic development is going to be vital for the next 18 months. Right. Somebody's got to take that over. So then to me, that speaks to the fact that, or sorry, the possibility that they're going to actually increase the number of people in cabinet. I, I, I would say you'd see probably less parliamentary secretaries and more cabinet ministers, but I'd say everybody we've kind of reviewed, um, I don't, I don't see a ton more people being added. I just see okay, just a moved of, around a little bit. Yeah. And for every, for every person that potentially moves up, you've got a Josephine Pond that needs to go away. <laughs> Tyler Shandon. So there's at least two that we, I would say two spots that are going to open that uh, a second or third row MLA. Which would be your parliamentary secretaries. So some and, of them, but so I mean, on, even, yeah. even then there might actually be another person um, within that caucus that uh, be given opportunity to um, do some, do some more heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And we do expect this to actually, if it's going to happen, we expect it to happen quickly, which is why we had to record today. Yes. <laughs> not not <laughs> just because of the one year anniversary, but, <laughs> but it's rumor just, mills it's, are rumor mills. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so I think that's, I think that's it for the moment. It's, it's been a big episode, a lot of information in there. It is. Well, and there's just so fricking many people, (laughs) but yeah, I think we could leave it at that and we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see what happens because I think changes need to be made and uh, and I guess I'll, I'll stick to my idealism as well, thinking it can only get better in well, certain cases. I mean, this, you know, whether you're talking government or talking business is that if you, if you have underperformers, you take measures to make that happen. So this, you fix it. You know, yeah. And so if managers need to be replaced, managers need to be replaced. And let's hope that this government is ready to do that. Well, <laughs> if not, it's only three more years till the next election. Three years. Hey. Uh, thanks, Mark. All right. It's been fun. <laughs> it has. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at PoliticalRND, at Mitchell underscore AB, and at AB Mark Taylor. 